This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 743, brought to you by the new Audible original, The Sandman. And iFanboy listeners just like you who are washing their hands, wearing their masks, staying distant, and hanging in there. It's tough out there. Fanboy Pick of the Week, episode 743. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. This is Josh Flanagan. This is Josh Flanagan. And we are a fanboy. And every week we read a bunch of comics, and one of us picks their favorite book. We call it the Pick of the Week. We talk to talk about that book, other books from the week. We do patron picks and powers and listener mail if we have time. We have a good time in the midst of all this not good time. This is not a good time. It's in almost no respects. Yeah, so satire is doing okay right now. That's about <laughs> it. That's never. That's like, you're like, man, the music and comedy has been great during this time. That means things are not going well. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I'd be fine with really bad comedy. Yeah. Good creativity here's, is a bellwether of the end times. Here's your spoiler warning. That's a review show. There'll be spoilers. Uh, exercise your caution. Josh, you had to pick this week, and I, I you had a good week for it. I was I was jealous because there was a lot of good things to choose from. It was a pretty fun week of of comics and little diversions and surprises that sort of broke things up. Um, the the pick this week is uh, Injustice Year Zero Number One, um, mm-hmm. which is sort of a, one of those smaller digital only books. Um, well, they'll recl- it'll be a digital first. It's a digital yeah, first book. digital I'll first is probably the way. I right. knew. I knew when I started to explain it, I was going to get something wrong. That's right. And you're going to be like, here's what it it's is. It's on the cover. It's on the cover. Yeah. But it's fine. I don't... It's fine. It's it's all fine. I so, think, you know, I think a lot of people... Are, some people out there will be happy because, uh, you know, for years, people have been trying to get us to read Injustice. Uh-huh. Tom, Tom Taylor's uh, old book that was tied into the Injustice video game, and we didn't read it because we don't like tie-in books, and... Then we found fell in love with him over deceased, and people were like, "Well, no, you got to read Injustice." And so now, I know you have been reading the collection. Yeah, I I'm, have it on my iPad. I haven't started it yet, but um, this is a this this was my first Injustice book, and we, this is the pick of the week. So now everyone can be happy. And well, I think that um, yeah, Tom Taylor story. Um, this is his whole other universe that he's created in the DC world. Uh, Roger Antonio uh, on art, colors by Rain Barreto, and, and letters by Wes Abbott. Um, and I've read enough of Injustice to sort of know where this leads, as this is a year zero thing, which I think actually helped a little bit. Which is um, funny because I haven't, so I had I don't know where it leads. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think it works either way. I think that I think we both get a benefit there that is that is different. Um, and it's the it's it's the I'm going to tell you the same thing that I've told you when we read. Well, this. we should also mention that this. The first three issues of this dropped this week. Yes. So issues one through three. This the pick is issue one. That was the best issue. Um, I enjoyed all three of them. We can probably talk about all three of them at the same time. But yeah, in case you're wondering, all three came out. Who knows why? Buck a piece. <laughs> so it's three. It's basically. Three, I don't know why they did it, but they did it. It's three bucks for what would be, I guess, an issue and a half in normal terms. Yeah, that's about right. Um and. You know, I, I didn't know what to expect, but, you know, the, this is not going to be an unfamiliar story of you've got Tom Taylor creating this society, this this world that is off to the side of the DC proper, but then doing all of the things with the characters that are what we just want to see the characters do. 
mm-hmm. uh, without any of the constraints of you know an overall editorial theme or continuity or all of that stuff. He gets to take the best of the characters and the best versions of those characters and and do a thing with them. Um, and, and and this doesn't even have like in deceased you're like in unfortunately the midst of a zombie story, um, <laughs> right. because that really is true. Like I I wish that didn't have to be the thing, but I will take what I can get in that. Like this restaurant's amazing. It's located in a garbage dump, right. and and it's it's not quite that. I'm being extreme, but um. So what we have here is uh, Superman comes down to to talk to Batman, who's in the middle of some shit. With with uh, Nightwing and Damien, which is delightful to see Nightwing hanging out with him there, by the way. Oh, and Huntress. Yeah. Um, yeah. We don't need your help. He does it anyway. He's like, all right, I, wa- I-, I want you to come with me. He's like, I know. I don't want to go. And you don't know what it is. And it turns out that there's a party up at the Watchtower. Mm-hmm. And you see the exterior of the Watchtower. This is really one of the instances where the page turn in the digital format, the half page thing, worked really well. Um, because you see the watchtower floating up there, and the the only word balloon is say cheese, and you flip it, and you see the Justice Society all standing there in their fabulous Golden Age cloth costumes, right? Uh, it, with a big handmade sign behind them. <laughs> that was my favorite part. And and <laughs> who do you think made that sign? I, I, it's a good question. Uh, I'm guessing it was Superman or the Flash. I think it would be really. It's really funny to think of Cyborg doing it, <laughs> just painting it. Yeah, with like, a, with like, like, a, like having like a, this is hard. But why don't we just print this? Just, <laughs> no, you have to do it this way. Um, he he does have a glass of champagne, by the way, and you know, like classic Mister Terrific with his, you know, all the silly slash wonderful costumes of that. This time. is not the rebooted Justice Society no. from Jeff Johns' run. This is. For the most part, there's there's a couple there's a, yeah there's whatever, whoever amazing man that he looks out of place there. But the rest of it, you know, it, it, I I looked at it and I went, is this a photo in the Justice <laughs> Society? Like or like up in the Watchtower? Did they just have that there? And I was like, oh my god, no, they're having a party for and with these characters, and you know, it was kind of sweet, and, yeah. and and everybody got to be. And then you get to page seventeen on your digital reader. And uh, Ted Grant, Wildcat, is is talking to Batman, and there are about three, four, five, six, six pages that are maybe the most fun pages I have read in a very long time. <laughs> and they're really like, I got to that, and I was like, well, I had not planned to make this the pick of the week, but there's a large, and I read this, I think this might have been the first thing I read. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, and you know, basically he's like, what, you're not having fun? He's no work, <laughs> Batman. It's really there's a really fine line with Batman, mm-hmm. and you can play the line a little silly and funny and and sort of make fun of the over serious nature of him, but it's really easy to make it dumb. And man, Tom Taylor is kind of an expert at riding that line. Then where the line that he says is, "It's a work night and my hydration levels are at their optimum." Wildcat. This is why he <laughs> won't drink. And it's just like such a lame, stiff thing. And if everything else after that wasn't great, it would not work. But it did. And he's like, so do you want to drink or do you don't want to fight? If you don't want to drink, do you want to fight? And he's like, I'm not going to fight you. I get it. You're scared. I'll make you look bad in front of your work friends. Every syllable in that is fantastic. And then they have a fun fight for fun. And yes. where they're beating the shit out of each other, there's blood. And I love that the choice, and it has to be the choice, but yeah. it's still antithetical. The choice is that Ted Grant wins. 
Oh, no, I think that's the right choice. You no, know, it totally is, but yeah. it still flies in the face of most of what we see in Batman. Like, there's going to be this one thing, and the guy has no powers, and he's old, and he's a better boxer than you. And it really is like it's a, it's a, it's a jerk-off to the, to the greatest generation, but yeah. I love it, and I'll take it. Now, around that <laughs> are, are the great things like, I guess it's Barry, Alan? Yes, Barry, yeah. He Barry Flash. Barry. He goes and he gets Jay, and he's like, what? Bring popcorn. Come quick. And then the next page is them watching wild-eyed as, as Ted Grant. Cl- Listen to Connor laugh. This is pure DC it's Comics very, joy. It's great. It's great. It was it, a great scene. Yeah, I mean, that alone is enough. You know, I know you were watching us. How? I smelled the popcorn. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not explaining what happened, but if you read it, you know... You know, it's a lot of good stuff. Now, after that... There's coloring error in that page, by the way. Is there? 21, they colored Jay's pants red in the uh, second panel when Batman's falling. Yes, they did. Looks like Shazam there, doesn't it? It does look like Shazam. I was like, wait, Shazam's here? Oh, no, they just messed that up. Rain Barreto's not no slouch, so... Happens. What are you going to do? And then, you know, then the Joker shows up and the story sort of takes off of where it's going to go. I have a vague idea of... Injustice, just from the cultural osmosis, I, I believe it ends up being hero versus hero, which is your least favorite story. Um, and it, it alludes to that in the beginning where it says basically over um, Batman's uh, narration, to say, I think it could have been different if they were still here and it shows the Justice Society. So this particular mm-hmm. miniseries, whatever you want to call this, I mean, they've been teasing it as a Justice Society story. They're on the cover of it that, you know, and then it shows them at one point, like a flash forward, like, you know, bloodied and maybe probably dead. So at some, at some point, and again, I don't know the ju- Justice story that perhaps the death of the Justice Society is what precipitates the split. Again, I don't, I haven't read the book. I'm not that's, telling you, so... Uh, that's my... You can go ahead and... Um, yeah, and, and, you know, from there... So that's the end of the first issue. Basically, there's an there's a old man in Arkham and he wants out, so he tells somebody that he knows has... He can bestow the powers of a god, and then the Joker shows up and breaks him out. That's the end of that first issue. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, it, you know, it go, I, I didn't love it as much from then on. It, it wasn't wasn't bad, but it was. I was like, okay, it's another Joker story. It's a very well written Joker and Harley. I thought wasn't Joker the one of the inciting incidents in Injustice? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's what I figured. Yes. Well, I mean, in second, issue two opens with another great sequence of the Justice Society, in which they're still hanging out. The party's still happening at yeah. the, on the Watchtower, so that's still like an extension of issue one where. You know, Superman's acting all bashful. Oh, you're right. Society's like, yeah, yeah, but you're like way more um, influential than we are. Like, there's there's a great sequence where even Batman's like, he doesn't understand how. Yeah, you're right. You're right, and that was really nice too because there there's a um, this is the same thing we're talking about Batman. There's a tendency to make him oblivious to normal things and personal things, and and that's ridiculous because it's impossible to be that intelligent and have that's not true. Um, but I, I like that. Because he's a dad, because he has people around, you know, he's not emotionally unintelligent. So I think right. that was really nice. And and then you know you get you get to sort of get the reverse. The the joke becomes Superman, you know. I like I love that when Alan Scott walked in, he's like world's finest, <laughs> you know. <laughs> look look at these guys. Uh, yeah, and then issue three is like I don't, I don't think the heroes are in it at all. Oh, Hawkman and Hawkgirl are in it, but for the most part, it's like Delta. But that's like a flashback. Yeah, is it? I couldn't. I guess it is. It was. Yeah. It was it's delving 19, into 1942. By the way, uh, what is Carter Hall off off uh, digging in pyramids in the middle of World War II? <laughs> it's the best time. There's chaos. I guess. Oh, you're right. It was a flashback. So, this is about I guess whatever 
the god power is mm-hmm. the, the origin. That, that was my least favorite issue, but I still enjoyed it. So I, overall, I really like these three. Um, I liked the uh, Roger Antonio art a lot. Yeah, yeah, it was the really pretty strong. Hard edges and sort of rough. It worked really well for the story. The it's characters like, all it's kind great. of an updated Howard Porter without as much. That makes sense. Uh, without as much sort of um, uh, exaggeration in form. Yeah, I, I like little this, little this um, little Tony Harris in there too. Actually, I mean, I don't know how long this goes for. It's bizarre they put out all three at once. Um, I don't know if it's a four issue thing. I don't know if it's a t- you know who know, who the hell knows with these digital first books. But I'm really enjoying it. And now we have two Tom Taylor uh, digital first books that are really good. So yeah, don't, I mean, don't you know, know why they're doing it that way. You can are. see what his strength is in the same way, and you know, I, it's it is one of those things. It's a little like. Um, it's a little like Doc Shaner. Like, mm. why do you keep putting this guy on side things? Let this guy he draw. Must, he must like it because he's also doing a project that's, for Marvel that's out of continuity. Well, I mean, I, if I'm if I'm if I'm the creator, if I'm a writer, I can absolutely see the benefit of that. Like, I don't want to deal with any of this stuff. I literally just want to tell my story with yeah. the characters in any way, and I don't want to have to say, you know. Meanwhile, the plant people are attacking the whole planet. <laughs> they, they, the fucking plant people. They, yeah, they announced it. I think I think the, they had a preview of it this week in a free comic book day book that I read uh, that he's doing a, a big out of continuity Marvel story, which Marvel does not do very often. Yeah, I guess you're so right. So that's uh, that must be his his deal, which is great because he, he he uses it to tell great yeah. stories. I mean, so that was yeah, not, not, you were not wrong this week. Yeah, I mean, really, that was that was a moment. I just never I never beat that. I don't even think necessarily like it was a great issue. It was one of those things like you could do. It, I mean, it was a fun issue and issue even sounds weird saying it. But, you know, sometimes, a, you know, a moment can be like, I can't beat that moment. Nothing in mm-hmm. its entirety beats the the, the joy of that moment right. um, and sort of the, just the understanding, because I think it sounds very I, I feel sometimes like we're being overly nostalgic about things mm-hmm. when we're like, this was a great Batman and Superman moment. But really, those characters are why we showed up at this party right. at a certain point. And when somebody manages to focus in and distill out what's great about those characters, it's still a really special thing. And also, I think this, it's not unfair to say we, we think that you know DC in particular has kind of lost its way a bit. And so mm-hmm. there's one corner of this company that's doing it <laughs> the right way, as I'll, I'll put it. And the way that be that being the way I, I I like it, so it's not necessarily nostalgia. It's, it's that mm-hmm. it's that whole Jeff John thing about rebirth, ha- you know, around rebirth, which was we, these, we've lost the way with these characters. Let's go back to that, and then whatever for whatever reason that didn't happen. Yeah. So it, it 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 makes me think of, and this is going to be a niche reference, probably just for Connor, <laughs> and it's just going to say it, and then I'll I'll you got the master of horror sitting right here, <laughs> and he's saying this sucks. And now I'm going to explain that because I don't. So in Project Greenlight season three, yeah, I think they were doing yeah, sure. a horror movie, and yeah. you've got a room with a bunch of executives and uh, Matt Damon and Wes Ben Craven. Affleck, and and Wes Craven is there, and they're trying to work out this script, and Wes Craven basically says this isn't good, <laughs> and 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 Matt Damon gets really angry at one of the people who's like, oh, we could do it like this. And he goes, you've got the master of horror right here, and he's saying it sucks. <laughs> And it's just such a beautiful distilling moment, and and that's what it feels like at DC Comics a little bit. Like you've yeah. you've got Jeff Johns right there, yep. And and Which so makes... you've got the Toms, you've got the Tom Taylor, you've got 
And I think Tom, so actually I think Tom Taylor would given the freedom be really good on the sort of mainstream books. Yep. Tom King, I, I like it that he's doing what he's doing. I think it yeah, Tom King needs to be doing these things. I want to talk about his book in a second. But yes. The second Tom T- T- Taylor book out this week, Deceased, Dead Planet, number two of seven. This is the second big Deceased miniseries. And what I liked about this one, other than the, the normal Deceased stuff, was that it sort of brought a bunch of the series together. So you had the characters from Unkillables show up. You know, the, yeah. Uh, uh, Ravager and, and Red Hood and the It's kids. funny because I saw Red Hood and I thought, isn't he dead? No, they didn't die. Okay, right. And and Mary Marvel and Gordon's in the background. So they, all those characters who survived and went to the Ivy's Garden, you know, meet the main story here. And then, you know, that good to see stuff where, you know, they went back to Earth to find Cyborg and Cyborg tells them there's a cure. So they're, they're not immediately bailing out. They're trying to f- figure out what that means. And... That leads to tragedy for one group of so the magic, sort of the magic team. Uh, Shadow Pact. Shadow Pact, which is an old DC thing. As they yeah, go you to, get the, so that's a, that's a real good indicator of what we we're just talking about. Is that uh, Tom Taylor didn't call them the Justice League Dark? Right. He said no, no, this is Shadow Pact, and I, that was much better. And even though he had John Constantine up in the front like he was Captain America, I'll allow it. <laughs> so then. They go to investigate a second bunker in Australia, which is Tom Taylor's native land, and uh, run into a horrible situation with pa- Plastic Man. I-, I mean, it was that was that was one of those you know like oh nice comic book work there, <laughs> you know like a totally unexpected thing that made perfect sense. Yeah, um, and and scary because it's one of those things where I, I, again I don't think I'd want to ruin this for everybody, but you know like. Plastic Man is one of those characters who's always very silly, but um, you know the the sort of the rumor, the idea is that no, he's one of the most powerful characters. Yeah. You know, and and if that goes wrong, then you see what this is, and it's bad. Um, which was which was and it was, and again, you know, in 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 a deceased fashion, it allows for small character moments. You know, the stuff between Cassie and Damien as as Cassie is really upset about what's been going on, and you find out, you find out they're in love, or at least they're discovering that now. I don't know if it's an ongoing thing or not, and then you know. You've got Jason, Jason and Damien getting to be reunite, and Jonathan's hurt. It was just there's a lot of quiet, good stuff here, and then also you have severed head cyborg, which is just weird and creepy talking to everybody because he doesn't have a body anymore. It was just it was another really good issue, yeah, and, and a great Swamp Thing appearance as well. Yeah, you know what's funny about that Shadow Pact group? Yeah. Those were the guys who were there. Those were the folks who were all there for John Constantine's 40th birthday in the Garth Ennis run. Oh, interesting. When they grew, uh, they grew weed uh, out of the swamp thing, and everybody got loaded. <laughs> uh, it's just good. Tom Taylor's good, and I know everyone's sick of us talking about it. But sorry, it's going to keep talk going because cause right now he's on a roll. And hey, uh, in, in, yeah, no, that's true. Like, like. If 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 the highlight reel is like a you know a, a, somebody's on a home run streak, you're going to talk about that guy at the top of the show, and there's a lot of other good things going on, um, but there's a lot of really bad things going on. So we're going to flog the the things that we're I mean, enjoying. A year year and a half ago was Bendis, and now it's Tom Taylor, and mm-hmm. you know that's just that's this comics. Now this week we had Strange Adventures number four, Tom King, the other Tom, Mitch Garrods, Evan Doc Shaner, Clayton Cowles, and um, I thought this was really good. And I, I have a lot of suppositions from reading this book. And what's great about it is we're still really early. Not mm-hmm. early. We're still a th- only a third of the way, third of the way through. I was doing math in my head. My, I was doing six a.m. math at that 
my head for a second. Third of the way through, and so we're really only act one, you know, here. So we're starting to learn some things. You know, our, our idea that that maybe Adam Strange's story is not what it seems is bearing more fruit. And something happened here that was very interesting, but I want to know what you thought about this before I get into that. Um, are you going to tell me what it is? Yeah, I was just going to know overall what you thought of this issue. Before I think um, I think it's very interesting because if the idea is I want to tell a, a, an Adam Strange story mm-hmm. and he's a character I've always loved and you think of him like a hero, um, he's going pretty deep. When I say he, I mean the writer is going pretty deep in the idea that He's maybe not all that, and uh, you know, this, there's there's a there's a twist coming. There's supposed to be a surprise, you know. But right now, they're getting to the point where, you know, Adam Strange is. If he's not trying to hide something, his wife is. Yeah, and certainly, he's um, either in on it or he's unwittingly a part of whatever yeah. this. Or Zardo, Zardo, like there's a lot of defensiveness across all the characters taking different forms, um, and it makes you not want to trust him at the same time that you you really want to you want to i'm like i'm waiting for the great i think that the, the thing that keeps happening with this and with mr miracle is that you are waiting for sort of the great in the vision you know like you yeah. you want the, the the great story about these characters and this isn't that it's a great story story about the character but it's not like the hero moment um it's it's more realistic and what i mean by that so by the end i'm like Oh man, I don't want to feel. I don't. I don't want to find out this guy's a shithead. But he's getting pissed at everybody. He, you know, like when he goes to talk to Green Lantern, which is totally the bar from um, New Frontier, by the way. Yeah, it's high ball yeah. on the plane, yep. and then yeah. Tom King is the bartender. And Tom, yeah. Mitch Garrett is in the background, and I assume the third guy is Doc Shander. Uh, I'll look at it in a minute while I'm doing that. So, you know, he's an asshole to Green Lantern, and all of this, all of the heroes, are you know. They are keeping their distance. They're all doing... Yeah, that is, Doc. Um, you know, they're doing what they're supposed to. They're, you know, like, we have to stay out of this thing. You know, and, and Hal's like, listen, I, I can't... You know, it's the whole... You know, and it all makes sense. And, 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 you know, Adam Strange is basically trying to get them to go against what they're supposed to be doing. And he's trying... He's manipulating them, and he's angry about it. And, you know, he's like, you're Superman. You have to help, you know. And he's like, I, I can't do this. See, I don't know. I'm starting to question whether or not he's manipulating them or he's feeling desperate because well, this, same. this is a situation out of his control because maybe he doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. Because, you know, he's only on Ron, or Ran, however you say it, mm-hmm. part of the time. You know, yeah. he's only there when the beam zaps him there, and when he's not there, who knows what's going on. And who knows what they're doing? Manipulate's probably not the right word, but he's he's you know like you're right. He is getting desperate. That's that's absolutely what's happening. But either way, you know he's not thinking. He doesn't seem to be thinking rationally about you know the other people's perspectives. Right. Um, and you know, and then his wife seems super arch. Yeah, she's more. She seems more aware of what's going on. So as we talked about. Adam Strange has written this book about being a war hero on, on Ron, defo- defeating the Picts, saving the day, and there is some question about whether or not that's accurate, and Mr. Terrific has been en- enlisted by the Justice League to investigate. And so, really, Mr. Terrific's kind of the lead of the book as he investigates the story, and he's great in this book. I mean, I mean, then the other thing that's happening is what you're getting is a reconstruction of Ron as an idea. So, you know, the idea before, you know, the Silver Age version is... He goes there. The people of Ron are, are a technical, idealized society, and they're fighting the savages. 
now. Mm. That's how things would have looked in red very nicely in the, in the 60s. When you do it now, you go, who's the bad guy here? And right. that's sort of what's happening is that, you know, Zardoz has this really nice speech. Is that, am I getting that name right? Or is sure. that the, is that the, um, <laughs> no, I think Zardoz is like a, a Sean Connery uh, thing. Uh, maybe. I'll, doesn't matter. I'll look. When he's, yeah. You know he's wearing like the little the little short pants and stuff? Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, somebody listening right now is going out of their fucking mind. Anyway, I'm calling him Zardoz. Deal with it. <clears throat> At the beginning, he's like, listen, I know you didn't ask for my opinion, but he's a good guy. He, You know, I, I think he's the finest man I've ever met, referring to Adam Strange. You have full access to our stuff. Not the picked stuff. We can't, we can't, we can't translate that. And there's a big turnaround moment for that with Mr. Terrific. And then he is arrested and confronted. Um, and, I, you know, it's really hard not to love the absolutely competent man mm-hmm. that is Mr. Terrific. Sardath. Know? Sardath. Yeah, you can mm-hmm. see how I would confuse that. Um, yeah. Search Zardoz. It's a hilarious costume that, 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 uh, that Sean Connery wore once uh, as that character. I have no idea what it's from. Anyway, you know, then, then he slaps Mr. Terrific. <laughs> and Mr. Terrific is like, what did the five fingers say to the hand? And then he hits him back, and you know, he's like, you hit, you hit me, I hit you. What do you want? Eye for an eye. That's the, you know, what are you gonna do? What do you think fair play means? Like that was as a sequence, you know, and it, it's saying a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's no coincidence that a character is black and a character is white, and there is a there's a power imbalance and all that stuff that's going on in the subtext, and that makes it really interesting. However. I will finish. This is why this was not my pick of the week. I got super confused in what the fuck was happening in the last couple of pages. All right, let's take a look. First of all, there's a unsettlingly, unsettlingly sexy version of Adam Strange's costume being used by some singer on Ron that was bizarre yes. and strange. He makes it. He's a pop hero. So um, let me tell you what I noticed this issue. Okay. So up to this point, we've had two artists. One, Mitch Garrett's drawing the um, now, the present, the quote-unquote real world. And you've had Doc Shaner drawing the flashbacks, the, as Josh said, the Silver Age flashbacks. Here, this is what I noticed. Up until this point, in the flashbacks, Adam Strangers have been wearing the classic Silver Age costume. Mm-hmm. The, the great Adam Strange Silver Age costume. And then it's all, all of a sudden, in this issue, he's wearing... The new in the flashbacks, the new 52 abomination. Now, at one point, this is page 27 on your digital reader. Uh, Adam Strange and his wife are talking. She's got she's wearing her, her sort of backpack hero outfit, and she's holding his backpack, and he's got a jacket on over his costume, and you can uh-huh. clearly see that it, it's the new 52 version underneath it. Okay. And then oh, I you, see it. You, I you, do. You swip the page 28. He's still wearing that same costume. He's holding the backpack, and then you turn to page 29, and they're flying together, and he's back to wearing the Silver Age version. Okay. And so that's not a mistake. These guys are too good for that. It'd be very hard to make that mistake. So my theory right now, and this is only theory because we're only four issues in, okay. is that there's almost three levels here. There's the main, there's the real world with Mitch Garrett's. There is the propaganda, which is the Silver Age version, and then there's the real flashback, which is him wearing the New 52 outfit. Like whatever really happened was him wearing the, the new outfit, the the propaganda in the book, the memory that he has of himself as a hero is is in the Silver Age costume. That's my theory at the moment. So I think you're onto something, and 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 I had not I, I remarked the costume, but I don't think that I had noticed that when we switched the page, he was in the the other one. 
what I was following was the fact that after he fails to get Superman to take him where he wants to go, mm-hmm. uh, to Ron, yeah, uh, he then sort of lays down in a field. So th- theoretically, he waited that week for the Zeta Beam to show up. Yeah, um, he has his hand bandaged because mm-hmm. he punched Superman. Right. Then around him, there's all the dead picks that can't be really there. Yeah, probably. Okay, not. so he's on Earth. There's alien crows. Oh no, no, he's that's that's him waking up on Ron. Because if you look, he's, oh right, he's you're right, counting, you're right, you're he's right. counting down four, three, two, one to right. the beam. Okay, you're right. That was a really nice sequence. Um, yeah. we go back to what it is. So then Alana shows up there. Now, you can't see his bandaged hand on any of the pages on twenty seven. Because right. I was looking for it. I was like, okay, so that was the marker. He's got the jacket on. No bandaged hand. You can't see it in the next page. They keep his right hand out of frame. Oh, interesting. Then we cut to them flying. He's in the old costume, but he does have the bandage on his hand. So theoretically, that would lead me to believe. I just think that I have undone my criticism of it because I think that it's a mystery, not a mistake, mm-hmm. which is which is par for the course. That hand is bandaged, indicating that he has punched Superman. Also, he can probably get a better bandage than that. That looks terrible. <laughs> um, and then we cut to Alana, who is in Mr. Terrific's house after he has returned from Ron. Mm-hmm. So she's existing in two places at the same time at once, theoretically. No, I think that's still the... F- hmm. I, I, I mean, I mean, it's what it appears. This is intentionally yeah. misleading confusing right. like we're jumping around in time. it's it's we're starting the mystery yes it's, it's temporarily unstable and that at the end it left me unsettled and i didn't really know what to make of it and so you know it's it's not pick of the week for that but that's it doesn't mean it's bad i i mean it's it's this is very good stuff and i, I think you know much like his previous works we're not gonna have a full grasp we yeah. didn't have a full grasp of mr miracle until issue 12 of 12 yeah. so and it all came together. Yeah, I'm really looking. I'm really enjoying yeah. this. This is still terrific. The, what um, we just did may have been more fun than reading the issue. <laughs> I my current theory, and again, it's only we're only in Act One, is that he is a pawn of the Iranians. He being Mr. Uh, Adam Strange, and this is this is Tom King's exploration of colonialism and what he went through it in Iraq in that sense. Mm-hmm. But that's just my theory right now issue 4 it could be different in issue 8 and it's different in issue 10 so you know what's really sad is that i don't want i don't want a lot of the be about i don't want i don't want to break adam strange's heart right but then there's the question of the daughter there's all the stuff i mean it's 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 a it's a wild ride and and i i don't think that we were focusing very much on it but it, you know it should should go without saying the 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 two gentlemen doing art in this are mm. i mean it's it's impeccable like, it's it's career stuff, and I know that like Eisner's were already one, but I, I don't see in mainstream stuff. I don't see anything that's more beautiful than this right now. Yeah, I agree. And and not not just beautiful. Beautiful is only a part of it. Like it's some fucking intricate, real storytelling. You know, like it's next level, uh, kind of kind of sophisticated stuff. Um, you know, just that bit where like, well, you, I can't see, and I, and I know it's like I can't see his hand. Why aren't you showing me his hands? <laughs> And and to sort of understand like that's intentional. That's even that's great. Well, we used to talk about Morrison quietly doing you know work that was on a diff- deeper level than yeah. most comics, just out of necessity. Sure. Most comics can't be that deep, and this is kind of what you've got here. Is you've got a level of consideration that you just don't have time for in other comics. So mm-hmm. it's fun to read. Yeah. Doctor Strange, Surgeon Supreme, number six, the final issue. As it ends, I feel like prematurely. 
it definitely feels prematurely like they had just sort of set up this world of this the um the surgeon supreme version and and you know you introduce this new cast which includes Dr. Druid sometimes hero sometimes villain you know as his nemesis foil partner all at the same time in the hospital and they go and they discover that Madame Mask is at the end of last issue she's running a, an illegal weapons operation of magical weapons um and in this issue we find that she's really just like like lovesick over Tony Stark and it's driving her insane. Just trying to get his attention. I so Marvel took the axe to a bunch of books in the last couple of weeks, which yeah. is not surprising considering the state of the world. They this week also saw the final issue of Black Cat, which would made it twelve issues, and there was another book they canceled, I think, last week. They they've they've been canceling a lot of these mid tier books and it's it what is this the fourth try at Doctor Strange we've had in the uh, last couple of years? I mean to to be fair, I don't think it's a try. I think it's been a pretty consistent line that they just keep renumbering if this was 10 years ago we would be on issue you know 40 50 something and you'd be like that's not a bad run right so the numbers are are uh they're, they're sort of fooling us in that way i mean in this way i think this is the longest that we've really had a continuous stream of of dr strange for a long time and most of it was pretty good jason aaron into donny cates into mark wade um and i've really i was the most time i've sort of spent with the character and i think they all did something really I think they 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 straddle the line really well. I think um, Wade has a little Wade has an essay in the end, but it was <laughs> it was justified. It was the end, yeah. and it was also a premature end. And he's like the secret to I can't remember actually what he said, but the secret to writing Doctor Strange is to recognize his um, uh, uh, his arrogance, but also you know not ride that line too far. He he puts it better, but basically that's the idea, um, and also have him be able to recognize it and and act accordingly. And Keep him balanced on the fine line between pretentious and likable while occasionally allowing him to fall victim to his own smugness. There you go. Yeah. That's what I said. Um, <laughs> he said it better. He's a better writer than I am. Um, you know, and it's been pretty good. I've really enjoyed Doctor Strange through this time. And, you know, like it's really easy now for people to sort of make him the same as Tony Stark. And I don't think that was happening. It seems like a goofy idea to make him be a surgeon again and have him to try to do that. But whatever. That goes along with Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. You know, also, also, you know, Wade goes makes pains to mention it. You know that he's had a great group of artists, and we've yeah. had a great group of artists on this stuff. Chris Bocciolo, Kev Walker was great. Kev Walker is is one of those guys. Like, if I see his name on a book, I don't care what it is. I'm going to read that book. I mm-hmm. love Kev Walker's work uh, in comics. Um, you know, and it, it it's kind of a bummer, but also I'm cool with it. You know, like yeah. that was a good run. It ended soon. I and at a certain point, I was we we've definitely talked about the fact like. Why is this still going? <laughs> like this doesn't make sense, and now it didn't make sense, so now it isn't going. And yeah. I, this issue particularly was like a fine. Like it felt very much like they had a quick wrap up, or even just a wrap of the storyline, which doesn't really feel like the end. So it, yes. it, it just. I finished. It, I was like, yeah, that was probably my least favorite issue of the six that we've had so far. But yeah, it, overall, I really liked this. But I mean, six I, issues. I'm glad you talked about it enough to get me to read it. Yeah, I mean, I, I. I enjoy the character work in it enough. I really liked whatever was going on with Stephen Strange and Doctor Druid. Um, mm-hmm. That was a fun rivalry. Yeah, it re- it was good, and and you know, it's fun. You know, like the story overall, I was fine, but like the characters are good, and and that Kev Walker art is, you know, yep. I you know he's he's great. He's I've I've loved everything I've seen him on since that Thunderbolt stuff he did a long time ago. Um, he's a British artist. He probably did a lot of other stuff before that, like in two thousand eighty, and I don't know anything about it, but. I just did the ceremonial removal from my iPad of the series. Oh, look at you. It's sad. I have little taps playing in my head. Trumpets. 
yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, yeah, it was good, but this was, this was a bummer. And now a word from our sponsor. And I'm just saying, watch your ears. We're doing our best. The year was 1916. Roderick Burgess conceived a plan. He would capture death. Capture? You are death. This is him. He's back. The Sandman's a fairy story. He's back, John. Dream of the Endless. Greetings to you, Lucifer Morningstar. Hello, Dream. I have shown him fear <sighs> in a handful of dust. The Sandman. Only from Audible. In association with DC. Just close your eyes and listen. Wilhelm screamed right at the end. Mm, good stuff. Or close to it. So this is for the original Audible series, The Sandman. It's based on the best-selling DC graphic novels, Vertigo, written by Neil Gaiman uh, with a murderous row of artists here. So you'll have to use your mind to imagine uh, what all that stuff uh, looks like. But that should be pretty easy because it's a heck of a soundscape. It was adapted and directed by Dirk Maggs, hailed by the Los Angeles Times Magazine as the greatest epic in the history of comic books. Uh, this audio adaptation is decades in the making. Stars James McAvoy in the title role. I'm sure you heard his voice. Um, you follow Morpheus, the Dream Lord, whose name, when said out loud, sounds like Jean, but it is Dream. And <laughs> she's pull as he's pulled from the Dream Realm and imprisoned on Earth. And when he finally escapes, he must restore his power to rebuild his dominion. And that is just the start. And it's funny because just saying those words, I can picture. I can picture Dream stuck in that box in that first arc. Uh, as he wakes up and he's like, what the hell is going on here? And it all goes from there. Uh, there's a powerhouse ensemble cast, and I would not let them say that without remarking on it if it were not true. But there's Riz Ahmed, there's Kat Dennings, there's Michael Sheen. You could say Michael Sheen, that would be enough for me. And mm -hmm. even more, uh, along with the aforementioned James McAvoy, in your wildest dream, you've never heard anything like this. Listen now, only on Audible. It's an Audible original. Go to audible.com slash Sandman to check that out. I am a rabid Audible fan, so you, you cannot go wrong uh, there in any way. Let's move on to the Goddamned The Virgin Brides number two. And I just can't get into this book. I don't know why. It's bumming me out because this is the creative team behind Scalped, Jason Aaron, Arm Guerra, two of our favorites. And I loved the first Goddamned volume. I, I, talked, I talked about this the first issue, and I was hoping with the second issue I would be more into it. And actually, I was less into it. I was more into it. I think it was a little better idea about where we are and the sort of mixing of myth and fable or religion, however you want to say it, um, and sort of modern sensibilities and like, this is bullshit. Let's get out of here. Mm -hmm. um, and, and threat, like real threat, like biblical threat, you know, mm -hmm. like, oh, everybody's a crazed monster and they'll, they'll, they'll cut you up because there's no sense of society or decorum around here. I think that that kind of works together. You know, it's it's one thing to I, I like this, and I think that a, I think a lot of that is carried on the momentum of me really wanting to like it, and based on the work that those people have done before. Um, I'm not I'm not in love, but I'm I'm still intrigued enough, and I think I enjoy it enough to see what it is. But it, you know, it's a big difference between what the two of those guys did in Scalped when they're in a real mm -hmm. world on a res, and this sort of it's not actually in a fantasy world. I don't think too much. It's just like a you know, it's almost a barbarian story. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm hanging on. I'm, I, I'm okay. I mean, it looks great. It's nothing else mm -hmm. looks like it in the comics, but uh, yeah, I just don't know. I, uh, I'm I'm still gonna read it because I love these guys so much. But I'm I'm hoping to to get my emotional teeth into it, but I just haven't been able to, which is a bummer. But that's my problem, not yours. Captain America 21. You're not reading these, right? I am. Oh, okay. It's Captain America. 
I wasn't I sure if you dropped off. I can't not. I can't not. It's Captain America. It's my favorite Marvel character. Tom Easy Coates, Bob Quinn. Oh, we know has Bob Q when he does better work over at Dynamite. <laughs> um, Matt Miller on colors. Joe Caramagna. I, I don't. It's not bad. And this particular issue actually was better than it's been. But yeah, I just don't know what Tom Easy Coates is trying to tell. What story are you trying to tell here? So I um, I, I dropped off for a little bit, and I decided... It also feels old. Yeah. And what I mean is by that, it feels like this was Marvel six months ago, and I realized this book comes out monthly, and everything yeah. else comes out every other week or weekly, and so that world is allowed to move forward much quicker, and it mm-hmm. feels like this is a Marvel universe from earlier in the year, and it doesn't really fit. That's, my, that's one of my complaints about it. I don't even know that's a complaint. I don't know that that's not a strength. But um, <laughs> I so just I just hate Cap, who's enemy to people. I just don't like it. Well, so I just finished reading Between the World and Me. Mm-hmm. Whatever else about it, and there's a lot of things you could talk about it endlessly. It's a National Book Award winner, blah blah blah. But it's beautifully written. Like mm-hmm. I was like, holy cow! Like I get it. This guy, this guy can write. And so I wanted to revisit this series with that in mind, and also with his very clear worldview in mind, which is pretty big departure from what a lot of Americans think and also how that fits into Captain America and I find that really interesting so I wanted to re-examine it with those eyes um, then at the same time I know that Coates is an old school Marvel fan Yep. you know 70s 80s Marvel comics and I think it's really interesting how those things meld that doesn't mean good but it is really interesting um, and I, and I, I haven't, I haven't solved that equation. I haven't looked, but I did think, I thought this issue was, I was like, oh, I don't know what this story is, but it's kind of an interesting thing. And it felt this like, was like one an of 80s, the better ones felt like an eighties cap story. Yeah. Cap's, you know, Springfield Red Skull's coming back. He's, he's, we know he's been in the background, you know, inside this character for a while, but now he's finally sort of asserting himself and that was exciting and fun. And I don't know why Bob Q's art is so good on Red Sonia and, and, not so good here, except for that one issue he drew. I don't know if it's the inking. I don't know if it's the coloring. I don't know. Yeah, you're not. Know. You're not I don't wrong. Know if he's doing this at nighttime while he's doing red <laughs> during the day. Like I don't know. It just, it's kind of a head shaker. There's no. Scratcher. There's no. There's no indications from the creator list of why yeah. that would be. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's not. There's not like like who's that guy? These are all. Right. These are all pros. This is. You know that that said. It was a fun. It was a fun little issue. It was. It was really like reading like a late '80s Captain America comic was what it felt like to me. Um, so that was kind of cool. So I'm. I'm gonna read it again. I'll see what it is. I. You know, it, it makes me think a lot more than most of the comic books do. Knowing sort of where the source source. You know, where it's coming from, uh, for sure. Did you drop off Empire yet? I didn't. I didn't. I'm okay. reading it. Uh, the main issue story. Issue four. Yeah, Al Ewing, Dan Slott, Valerio Shidi. Um, I think what I've decided with Empire is that. The problem with it is, and we were excited for it. We loved the prelude issues, and I think I liked the first issue. The problem with this book, I think, is A, nothing is happening in the main book because B, too much is happening in the side books. So you should be getting the main thrust. You should be able to only read the main, of any event, you should be able to only read the main book and get an exciting, fun, event-sized, you know, summer blockbuster story. And I think you're not getting that. What you're getting is a lot of people standing around talking because it seems like, they keep telling you this exciting thing happened over in Empire Captain America or, or Empire X-Men or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And 
it's just if reading this book, you're just like, well, nothing is happening in this story. And we're already four. This book's coming out weekly for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. We're four issues in out of six or eight. Uh-huh. I think it's six, and nothing has happened. I think. I yes. It's six. It's six. We have two issues left. I, we're we're two we're two thirds away through the story, and what has happened? I think, they're still talking about fighting the Kree and the Skrulls. Okay, so it was the very end of this last one where I at least started to get a glimpse of what this book was or should be. And it seems like it's the Hulkling story. Mm-hmm. How did this guy get to be like this? And that came out of nowhere. You know what, though? That was at least something I could grab onto. And you're right. like the, All the interesting character stuff, how this affects people, what the stakes are, that is all happening somewhere else. This is all happening on the deck of the ship. Right. And, you know, like, they made Captain Marvel into the Accuser. There was an interesting thing, I think it was last week, where we find out that the other accuser lady is actually the Skrull, and, yeah. the, the, you know, so that's kind of, nothing came of that, so I don't know if they went off, like, they introduce an idea, and then they take it and do it somewhere else. Um, but, this whole time, I've been thinking, I really liked that Hulkling character, and what the fuck is this? And I get right. it, Heavy is the head that wears the crown, but it just didn't seem right. Or he's possessed, that's what the whole yeah. implication is. So then, uh, and then finally, they went down to see Wiccan, and I was like, thank you! <laughs> and then that guy goes, I don't know who that dude is, but that dude is not my husband. And I, was, and I really felt like, thank God somebody said it! <laughs> like, I felt very validated in that. Um, so hopefully... That if that is what this story is, which is kind of weak as being the main point, you're 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 none of your points are wrong, but at least it was something to grab onto that was compelling. Yeah, I mean it's almost over, so I might as well finish it out. But yeah. I just feel like I'm just like nothing is happening. I'm also happening. not interested enough to follow all of the other like all, I mean I've read I read the Fantastic Four when I read the Captain America one. Yeah. they weren't great. I'm not I'm not interested in the Plant Wars. I just, I've read a lot of Poison. And also, I just don't, you know, that was a long time ago, the Kotati. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't read those books like I didn't, uh, the internal struggle of uh, Koi mm-hmm. is not interesting. Because they haven't done anything in this particular book to 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 build him up as a character or well, that, reveal his character. That combined with the fact that the threat, the people, like the little, you know, the people that they're all fighting on Earth... It's exactly the same thing as Avengers, Avengers Infinity War. It's the exact yeah. same thing. You can switch those out for whatever the fuck that it's race the same, was. It's the same scene from, yes. from that with, on, on Wakanda. In every book or in New York City. It's just, it's, 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 it's fine, but it's not bringing anything new to the table. Um, it's, just, it's just bizarre. It's not even bad. It's just, it is. You know, yeah. it, you know it, it's, it's mediocrity is its weakness. So those books we want to talk about, but at patreon.com slash ifanboy, you can vote to add a book to the rundown. Every patron can do so. And this week, they chose Firepower number one from Robert Kirk Wooten. Now, backstory, because people are going to say, what? Uh, Firepower number one and two came out in physical form, I don't know, a month ago, two years ago. I don't know what time means anymore. It came out some time ago, along with a graphic novel prequel book. But they were not available digitally. And I'll tell you what, we've never had so many complaints about not talking about a book on a show as not talking about Firepower. Uh, every, every avenue for complaint we got, email, comment on the website, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere you could possibly complain to us, you complained to us about not covering Firepower. Why? It didn't come out digitally until this week. So we're talking about it now. And I'm very interested to talk to you about it, Josh, because I read the Prelude book. 
I, I got it and read it, um, which is a full-on, full-fledged, like 144-page graphic novel from Kirkman and Somni yeah. that's a prelude to this issue. And so really, I've read like eight issues of Firepower in the mm-hmm. last week. Um, so I'm really curious to see what you th- what you thought of it, not having read the prelude, which I felt like was really po- important to the story. But oh, it certainly was. Um, <laughs> I I was very confused about all of this because I mm-hmm. don't f- I I I deal with what's in front of me on a weekly basis for this yeah, show. Sure. That's just how it is. It's not you know. You read the script in front of you. You read the comics in front of you. Yeah, like I'm like okay, it's Wednesday. What's there? Okay, I'll yeah. read these things. And so I had heard. I did no checking on this, and I know that you know all of it, but I just figured, I, I figured like anything, like, I'll figure it out. Like, it'll mm-hmm. be fine. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have to work at that. Um, I had thought that this was an OGN project in general. Mm. And so I thought, all right, I'll, I'll get to it sometime, especially if I hear it's really good. I'll be, you know, I'll be honest with you, big fan of Kirkman. I can't think of a thing that he's done in a while that has been must-read for me. It's just for whatever reason. Um and so I was kind of excited about it. I like Somni, but I've also read a lot of Somni stories where, you know, like it's beautiful, but the story's not super compelling. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make me super excited. So mm-hmm. I hear there's an OGN. I think, okay, cool. Move along. Uh, we get to this. It's it's number one. And I thought, oh, okay. I can I can read it. For whatever reason, now this is an issue form. It's number one. I will read it. There's a little um, uh, s- uh, synopsis of what's happened so far in the the prelude. And I was like, oh, that must be some free comic book day thing that was 20 pages that explained what's going on. And then I started and and like I got there and it might've been more in the second issue, but the first issue I was like, what the hell kind of issue? Number one is this? (laughs) Yeah. It really was like that. And I'm not putting in any effort and I recognize that. So I can't really hold that against the creators and stuff. But if I was a casual fan, which I kind of am and am kind of not, this would be very confusing. Um, yeah, uh, I I really liked this and the prelude a lot. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's I, I I love Kirkman's break the box thinking. You know he he ends his seminal work without telling anyone. He ships books to stores with no warning. He does a whole graphic novel with Chris Somney. Doesn't tell anybody and a series like I like that Maverick side of him but the downside is situation situations like this where i thought the prelude issue our graphic novel was really important to the story you know yes. you basically learn the whole backstory of the conflicts and now the there might be people out there who didn't read the graphic novel and lo- read this and love this that's totally entirely possible i really love this too but i had read the prelude story which is basically like a mishmash of a bunch of familiar comic tropes like iron fist and and dr strange and uh there was another one I had in my Daredevil? head. I forgot about it. Um, ninja stuff. Any ninja, you know, like, you know, young guy shows is up it, at this that... temple in China in the, in the mountains and he gets trained. And there's it was a kung fu movie, is what, what there's I a con- There's a conflict. It's very Iron Fisty. There's a dragon at the, at the temple and mm-hmm. there's the Scorch Earth, Scorched Earth Clan who is their, like, nemesis. And that, the book ends with a giant fight between the Scorched Earth Clan and the people we've come to know over the course of the graph novel. It was a, it was a great graph novel. I really liked it. Um, and so here, at the end of that, and at the end of that, at the, was it the end of that or here? We jump ahead fifteen years. It was the end of the graphic novel. And can you? Is the graphic novel available digitally now? Or did you have to get it? I bought it on. I bought it physically, so I okay. don't know if it's available digitally or not. But um, 
so the, at the end of that book, we jump at 15 years with the main character who is no longer a young man, you know, living a suburban lifestyle. Or at least we saw that in, in one page, you know, that's sort of conveyed in one page. And there's a ninja watching his house. And that's what, that's how the graphic novel ended. And that's sort of where we pick up here where, um, I don't remember his name. Uh, not, not Danny Rand. Not Mark Grayson. Um, is, you know, he's got his wife who's a cop and he's got two kids and I know a sub- suburban life and he sells antique furniture and they're having a bar- barbecue cookout. And in the midst of that, his old life is returning where, um, all, you know, he, he at, the, at the supermarket where he's getting hot dog buns for the cookout, he runs into uh, Ma Guang, who is his rival at the school, who has got hair now that they were all bald in the prelude book, mm-hmm. and uh, he's telling him that, that he has to come back to the temple because their leader, who was very much a Kirkman character, you know, ancient looking, who shows up in this book, ancient looking, mm-hmm. you know, ninja master who likes... Air Jordans and his walk, his iPod with you know classic American music on it, and uses uh, American phraseology, um, has left, and the Scorched Earth Clan is a threat, and he has to come back, and now that's intruding on his idyllic suburban happiness. And I really like this. I, I thought Samney's work was great. It's almost like he gets to tell a normal story for a lot of the comic. It's just mm-hmm. a story of a family. You know, there's goofy stuff that happens at the cookout. There's funny jokes. There's his his daughter being told how to hide a body by the his wife's partner, and all kinds of fun family stuff. So it's kind of like he got to tell like a normal comic story for a while before the ninja fighting. And then, of course, I think Somni's fight choreography is terrific. And so there's a lot of kung fu fighting, and and uh, it's great. I thought I, I I thought this was great, but again, I don't know how much that was having read the prelude. I think it had a, so I figured it out. <laughs> like I, I got at the end of the both issues were available. So over the first two issues, yeah. I figured it out. I knew sort of what was going on. However, I think as a first, as a number one issue, a thing mm-hmm. that says Kirkman Somni number one, mm-hmm. like I was just at a barbecue with a bunch of people I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And if you're gonna do that format, which is release the trade and then go into this, I I don't think. I don't now, think... to be fair, only one person at the barbecue was in the trade, so the oh, rest I know, is all but new. like, but there was no context for anything, so it's just it was like going to a party with full of a bunch of people you don't know. Maybe you like that, but I, that's my idea of hell. Um, so I just didn't know what I was supposed to care about, right? Like, and there wasn't enough there that was super interesting for me to care about. Like, once he goes uh, to the store with his daughter, and then he jumps really far, and then he shows up in front of her. I was like, oh, it's kind of interesting. And if I'm getting into the, I, I think I like the second issue a lot more because I knew where it was because I saw a really cool, um, there's a fight, there's a silent ninja fight in the house. Yeah, it was great. Um, which is a thing I have never seen in comic books, and I can picture it as a movie. Yeah, you hear a lot of clothes rush, sort of yeah. ruffling in the wind. I, can, and then, I like, mean, I can picture tapping. it. Yeah. I've, I've watched enough kung fu movies that like that was a really cool exercise. And that is kind of where I am with the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I do not feel very emotionally attached to it, but it's kind of a really cool exercise. I'm not, the pitch isn't super exciting to me. Um, you know, the characters feel like Robert Kirkman characters. Like you would run across, this would be another group of people you would run across in Walking Dead, or these are the next door neighbors to Invincible. This is the thing. Um, 
I, I literally, and I'm not even being flippant. I think the most interesting thing I got out of this, I was like, really, Kirkman is into sneakers. He's one of those guys. <laughs> I had no idea. And it was, it didn't seem to fit with my image um, of the man. And I mean, that was the thing that I was like, wow, no kidding. I went back and I looked at the sneakers because I actually did notice that the dad had the Air Jordan 1s on in the beginning. Well, and there was I, a whole subplot in, yeah. the, in the graphic novel about the leader who shows up at the end of issue two yeah. wearing the tattoo of his arrival. So that's a, that's a big oh, twist. See, I didn't, you, would, you had no way of knowing that if you had read the graphic novel. It needed to be clearer that there was a big story before this that would have helped enjoyment and understanding by a great deal. Anyway, there's a subplot in the graphic novel about him acquiring the, the Air Jordans. Right. So he's wearing them at the end of the second issue. The sixes. Uh, yeah, he the already has the fives. As told the guy on the phone, he needs the sixes. I had the seven or the eight. One of them. The anyway, I, as a whole, as eight issues I read this week, I really loved love this. Yeah. Now, maybe not your cup of tea. Maybe people who didn't read the graphic novel really love the issues too, and that's totally fine. Um, yeah. So, I, I have a hard time. I mean, we're going to go in. We're going to do ratings. We're going to talk about it. But I have a little bit of a hard time thinking about it in the way that I think I should be to fully appreciate it. So that's a little bit of a challenge for me, I guess. Mm, I understand. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do ratings out ratings. of five. Ratings on Firepower. We'll do Firepower, one? I guess, number one, since that was the patient pick, uh, even though two issues came out this week. And we talked a little bit about both. Uh, Firepower, number one, I'm going to give it a four and a quarter out of five. Three and a quarter. Oh, that's not too bad. No, I mean, it's it's those guys are masters. You know, and and as such, then you you know I have higher expectations. I understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm checking to see. Yes, the. Oh wait, hold on. Is it? Oh, actually, it opened the page up to take a look, and then we got talking. So I was paying attention to the show. No, no, no I'm sorry. I'm looking at to see. You can get the OGN on on Comicsology if you yep. want. What's happening? That's fine. Let's do that. Are we gonna? So I guess are you, I assume you're sticking with it. Yes, I am. I'm sticking with it. Yes. All right. Uh, I'll read. I'll read the next one. All right. I'll read the next one. I think that'll be fine. Will I read the graphic novel? I don't know. I kind of resent it right now, but <laughs> it was good. Mm-hmm. It was good, and you know, you don't often get. We've often wondered what that, where the hell has Somni been the last mm-hmm. year? That's where he's been. He's been drawing yeah, these. That's true. Firebar books. Matt Matt Wilson, by the way, always a delight. Yeah. I mean, just like the guy's the guy's a beast. Everything he does looks beautiful. So that's your patron pick. If you uh, are a patron and you donate, uh, everybody who's a patron, all of you can vote on the patron pick in a given week. But if you are at the $5 or higher level, you get on the list and you will get uh, your chance to get your your special uh, superhero power that that Connor and I sometimes prepare ahead of time, sometimes make up on the spot, Mm -hmm. sometimes... Not infrequently, we'll just be a small, slight variation of an earlier power, but most of the time, <laughs> we'll be with whatever crap we're dealing with in our lives. Listen, we've given out that. over seven hundred of these. There's going to be a have lot we? of slight variations. Yes, we have. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, what do you got for for Jose de la Torre? Jose a de la Torre um, can summon up Pop Fisher, as played by the late Wilford Brimley, and he will give you sage, uh, older man advice on life. He can coach you through the hard times, which is appropriate because he is a baseball coach in the movie The Natural. Oh, man, I could use that. <laughs> He'll talk about <laughs> farms a lot, I'll be honest. He'll talk about going to work and live on a farm and how there's nothing like a farm, nothing like being around animals, fixing things, nothing like being in the field with the corn and the winter wheat, the greenest stuff you ever saw. There's going to be a lot of that a lot of that conversation. But, you know, if you need, if you need 
shoulder shoulder to cry on or to give you advice. He'll be there for you. It's really nice. Yeah. Um, Peter Gardner uh, can form tiny little societies in any crevices or drain pipes, like unto a god. Whoa. Yeah. What do you mean? Like, you know, like little bottled city of Candor? Yeah. He will find crevices and cracks in your drains, any place. And if he so wishes, he will he will begin a tiny society that de- develops there. Of what kind of creatures? It depends. Oh. It, so it, wow. Sentient beings, small, you know, he, he basically, he starts, he starts life. He starts a, he starts a, a whole race and species of, of, of new things that will. It sounds will like build. a guy who just creates ant colonies. Pretty much. But they wear capes. Wow, he's like a wow. So they're like they're a humanoid. I mean, I don't know. I didn't go that far. I think it's he, one of those things. Like at first, yeah, it's in his own image, and then after that, maybe it changes around a little bit. You've given Peter Gardner a great and terrible power, perhaps the I most have. powerful of all the patrons. Yeah. Oh yeah. Except remember, this is important. They're very tiny. <laughs> <laughs> do you know? Do you know where that came from? Ant, ants. Yeah, I have ants coming up through my shower drain. Oh, I just I just fought off an ant. I ain't breaking in my yeah. kitchen. And I've I think I've stopped it. I haven't seen I, it you know how I solved it? Put the plug he, in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe you created an, a, another society. They fought the ants off. No, I just thought it'd be cool. You know why I think it was? Now that I think about it, it's because when I plugged it up, I thought, oh, I guess they're going to just have to build from there. <laughs> and I think that's where it came. I just I just figured this out now. It was it, this was not like direct thought, but that must have been it. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can give at the $5 higher level and get your own superpower live on the show. And that's where people go to help support the show. We thank everyone over at Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Uh, they get all kinds of perks. They get to vote in the patron pick. There's the Hangout, which has been open to everybody while we're in lockdown. But they also we also did a patrons-only uh, viewing party with X-Men Apocalypse. We, we, still, we still try to do patron-only uh, Hangouts with them. But they also get uh, the Discord server, which is very active, and the fa- Facebook group, which is very active. So they have all kinds of... of fun things they get to do and uh help us get our next stretch goal which is the gi joe corner show which is a weekly or monthly or yearly or every phase of the moon show which talk about gi joe real american hero and then after that is the return of the barbecue video show which we've been you've been seeing on our, on our youtube page so you can head, head over to patreon.com slash fanboy help support the show it's really the best way you could do so we think everyone does that i found threadless.com is our t-shirt store where you can buy all of our designs on various things, not just t-shirts, but also masks and shower curtains and iPhone cases. And of course, our stay home and read comics design, which is uh, still half of which is going to charity. So have, it's going to Comic Book United Fund if, to help comic stores. So if you buy that design at all, half of the proceeds are still going to charity. And we thank everyone who does that. If I want to come slash support is help us out via PayPal. It's like a tip jar or like a offshore account for any of you eccentric billionaires and also ifanboy.com slash amazon is where you can find our books load books and a general link and we thank everyone who does all those things to help keep ifanboy running keep the lights on keep us going and where are we on time boss we can do let's do the second email because i like the first one i want to have time for it and i think if okay. we we think about it later so uh rob from york england mm-hmm. who have funny northern accents that are different than the funny northern accents slightly next to them ha- says i've been listening uh for around 10 years or so now and i'll be honest most of the time i've not been reading comics well i've been reading in tr- but in trades or from libraries i'm on deep in deep 
Indeed. Comics have got me good, but I've never had the disposable income for weeklies, uh, and I'm getting stuck in it again. I'm getting stuck in it again, and I've been buying up old trades I've always wanted to get around to and also checking out some ongoings. This is what I do with music, by the way, so I appreciate this. Uh, John Constantine is a character I know of but never really read, save for the Swamp Thing cameos here and there. But my God, John Constantine Hellblazer by Cy Sperrier is my new favorite thing, exclamation point, or Slammer if you were British. Uh, For background, I'm a Brit, and this is the most British thing I've ever read. Honestly, to the point where I wondered with the first arc how much of the slang made sense to a non-Brit, and it's so very far up my street. I want to say such a stupidly big thank you for recommending it. That's great. Uh, I always wanted to read Hellblazer back in the day as I loved some Vertigo. Uh, Now this has given me the impetus to go back and read those old stories. As I said, I prefer a trade, so at the risk of you saying just read it all, not going to happen, what are some really good to kick off with um so that's the end of the letter i just want to say i find that very comforting yeah because a it is such a british thing and i feel Super like british, yeah. and i feel like you know if you're not reading that in england then maybe you're not getting the full idea of your representation and two i think when you and i were reading that first arc we were like wow this is really british and, <laughs> and really good it's yeah no yeah really, that's really, no, really that's totally true but i really like that like a british person was like shit it is and i felt <laughs> like i feel you know continental enough to be able to recognize that at least um but i'm also we've we've this is a common question we get about hellblazer and i'm always happy to answer it because it's <laughs> always nice for people to, to be ex, uh, experiencing and discovering hellblazer <laughs> and you were i i have not read as much as you have nearly yeah. i've read, read some but not as much uh you were the Hellblazer guy, but it's always fun to have people discover Hellblazer and, and yeah, and we haven't read it. we haven't talked about it in a while, so I figured yep. it was okay to go back to this. Okay, mm-hmm. so bar none, without uh, without a doubt in my mind, uh, the Garth Ennis stuff, which doesn't start with Steve Dillon, but Steve Dillon then shows up. This is the thing that they did Pre- immediately immediately before Preacher. Yep. Um, they did uh, I don't know, the the trades are downstairs. So there's I want to say six or seven trades. It's a lot because I read all those. Yeah. Um, when we were live, both living in New York, I borrowed them from you. There's like six or seven of them. Yeah, there. and 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 you know anybody who listens to the show probably knows like those are, those are my favorite comics of all time. The 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 preacher ones. These are just behind that. Mm. I, I I don't know that I would say they're my favorite, but they're they're almost as good. Um, in terms of if you like what those guys can do, and also this was a, it was a pre short. I think I actually mentioned. Uh, one of those issues earlier uh, for John's 40th birthday. Uh, yeah. uh, it, 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 at, a point, at a certain point, Steve Dillon got to be a little shortcutty in his art. Uh, you could say that he simplified it or refined it. Um, but at this point, he was still sort of putting a little more oomph into it, I think, um, before he sort of settled into his style and accepted it. None of those things are good or bad. It's just interesting. Um, Garth Ennis, he's a kid. He's 22, maybe. Younger. Uh, and he's just... He's slaughtering character work left and right. Uh, he, he just understood that character. Now, those are an obvious given. We've talked about that a lot. A lot of other Hellblazer is good. There's not even really bad Hellblazer. I find the Jamie Delano stuff at the beginning, which is a pretty big run. I think it's 40, 50, 60 issues of it or something like that. Um, it's pretty weedy in terms of like the Sandman overbearing, very gloomy, very dark very you know gothy uh kind of thing but still really good you know mm-hmm. if that's your thing um paul jenkins did a great run i think between those things i want to say that the garth Ennis stuff is in the 60s 
I don't remember. I, I, I don't I don't speak out of my ass. You can look on Wikipedia and see what it is. Paul Jenkins stuff is really good. Warren Ellis did a handful. I know. Uh, he did a handful of issues that are really pretty great. There's one trade that sort of collects a bunch of his sort of random issues that were here and there. Um, you know, I first found Jason Aaron. Jason Aaron, uh, the first things I ever read him on was Hellblazer. And it's not the best Hellblazer. It was my first Hellblazer and my first... I don't know if it was actually my first Jason Aaron. Brian Azzarello, there's a really good story in there. I think it's John being in prison um, it, near the end. And then from that point on, great. Like un- up until the end of the episode, uh, end of the series. So up through 300. Um, uh, uh, Andy Diggle did a run of it. Um, that was great. I, it's You kind of can't go wrong. But right. start with the Ennis stuff. You don't really need to read it in order, I don't think. Um you could. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. I would say you should read the arcs in order. Like you should read the like. Like if you go by character by creator, you'll be okay. Who who finished it out? Was it? I think it was Diggle. Hmm. I'm almost sure. That, it was, makes, that that sounds right. It was Diggle and or mixed in there was um. They're downstairs. I can't. I can't check it out. Let's wrap up the show, Connor. Why don't you start on this part? Go through there, and I'm going to tell you who it is. Okay. So. Contact.fanboy.com is where you can write us in, like Rob from York and other people did. We just went long on talking about other comics. We will do your emails shortly. Here's the shows coming up, or having already happened. Josh's Talks Load with Steve Lieber is on the feed right behind this show, or two behind this show. Back there in the feed is his interview with Steve Lieber. Terrific artist, terrific guy. Artist on uh, Jimmy Olsen and Superior Foes of Spider-Man and The Fix and Whiteout and all kinds of great books. You can hear Josh's one-hour discussion with him there. And then coming soon is the Booksplode show. Both the Talksplode and the Booksplode are unlocked shows by the patrons. Booksplode's the one we talk about a graphic novel, and we're going to do Pluto Volume 1, the classic manga. I don't think we've ever, we haven't, Josh and I haven't done manga together in a Booksplode. We, uh, Paul did a whole series on Akira, but we're going to do Pluto Volume 1. And that'll be coming to you this month. And... Uh, I'll still talk while Josh is still looking. I'm, I'm ready whenever you're, okay. you, finish, you finish the bits. And that's all that's coming right now currently okay i i i got i got got things mixed up a little but not too much uh delano is on from 88 to 91 he did Mm -hmm. basically the first 40 issues with a few in the middle then garth ennis came on after that second um he did 40 to 80 and then he came back and did 129 to 133 paul jenkins did the ones in the middle of there warren ellis came on did about 12 issues then brian azarello this is where i jump on um then uh, I don't even see Jason Aaron here, so who knows? I guess it wasn't that long. M- I think maybe only the other three issues. Then Mike Carey was mm. on it for a while, from 175 to 215, quite a while. Um, those were sort of, after the Azarello, those were my first serious arc. Denise Minna, who is, a, um, uh, I think, a Scottish novelist, did a few. They weren't great. And then after that, you have Andy Diggle for about 20 issues, and then the last 50 were by Peter Milligan. Ah, uh, yes. Peter Milligan, he slaughtered the end of that, and Giuseppe Camincoli was the artist on all that yep. stuff. The art is spectacular all the way through. I mean, it's it's so, you can't go wrong. It was like a murderer's row of, t- of talent yeah. who were on that book. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Great stuff. So head over to iFanboy.com. You can find all of our podcasts, and at some point there'll be an iFanboy mini in which Josh talks about Hellblazer. And we, I remember on a bench. In the, in the park by your house. That's true. You talked about the Hellblazer trade, so at some point in the future, uh, you can see and talk about the Hellblazer runs. 
mm-hmm. uh, but not yet. Find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking Facebook.com slash iFanboy or following at iFanboy on Twitter and at iFanboy Comics on Instagram. We also have the best of the week of panels feature. Individually, we are CS Kilpatrick on Instagram, Jay Flanagan on Instagram, and on YouTube, we're YouTube.com slash iFanboy, where you can keep up to date with the old videos. You should subscribe there to get the notifications when they come out. Three a week. Monday minis. This week's mini was Justice League International Volume 1, the book of the month. And then we had... Uh, we're still going through con season in 2007, so we had a show. We did a conversation with Cory Doctorow and Brian Wood at Comic-Con. Uh, I think that was about DMZ. And then uh, our first and only trip to Wizard World 2007 uh, was, uh, was just Gordon and Ron. I was going to say, I didn't go to that. No, it was Gordon and Ron. They went to Wizard World in 2007. That was our only time we went to Wizard World. Uh, the con shows, 13 years later, not so popular. But the, the, the couch discussion <laughs> shows... More popular than the con We shows. knew that at the time. No, at the time, the con shows were popular, but I think people, like, I don't know really want to watch an interview from 13 years ago when they're not going to talk about anything anyway. So fair I enough. totally understand, and that's fair. Yeah. It's funny stuff so. in the middle. I don't know how we found so many people in costumes doing things that were very mundane. Every There's time. always funny bits in the shows, but yeah. I totally understand why people wouldn't want to watch 13-year-old con interviews. If you like this show... Uh, you can rate and review us, leave a, a star rating on Apple Podcasts uh, or wherever you get your podcasts, or go to that YouTube page, like and subscribe, mm-hmm. um, and then I'll put a little <laughs> picture. I know, just saying it. I'll put a little picture of myself in the corner on a green screen, and I'll get very excited about every possible moment that I'm playing fucking Minecraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any idea about that stuff? Do you know about the Minecraft? Yeah, I, worked a, I worked at a video game company for oh, right. six years. So you knew about it before I did. Yeah, I, I, was, I, I, still, was, I still remember Mike... Romo just explaining Twitch to you at in Boston. We all met for for dinner that one night. We were there for PAX. so, and him explaining Twitch to me at that point, like that was some that was some remedial shit, right? Well, because it was early. It was like the first year of Twitch. Oh, okay, we were, good. We were so, like, we were like, this is happening. This so is weird. it wasn't like it was like 1965, and I'm like, what are these four wheeled vehicles? No. You're like, these are cars. <laughs> no, this was like early. We were like, okay. there's this thing that's happening, and. I, I literally have a photo of him when he was explaining Twitch to you. <laughs> I remember that. And to this day when I see it, I'm like, why does anyone want this? Uh, I get it. Pretty girls. But, you know, there's better ways. Uh, tell your friends about us. Share it on social media. Talk about all that stuff. Um, everybody does that. We so appreciate that. Of course, we all appreciate the patrons and everybody who listens every week and says nice things to us. Um, you make the shittiest time in uh, livable human history a lot more bearable. Um, and I mean that it's funny before you were talking about the barbecue show and I was just like oh fuck I want to hug my friends <laughs> it was such a bummer for a second I was like we had no idea but we yeah. still get to do this and that is not nothing that is that is uh, uh, something is a constant in the world uh, constant Constance is a Constance is a woman um, constancy that's the one I wanted uh, you're Connor yeah I'm Josh Yep. All right, the show is long. We'll see you later. Take take care of yourselves. Stay indoors. <laughs>